The Theonauts, episode 98. The one where we're so dirty, we're going to need a bucket of Purell. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you theodermophobes out there. I'm David Gaddy. <laughs> I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. What's up, Dave? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> getting, oh, man. Getting ready for Haiti. Seriously. Next week. We got some serious stuff coming down the pike. Yeah, next week's going to be Haiti. crazy. I'm having a baby. What? <laughs> I didn't know you were pregnant. I am. Can't you tell? <laughs> Don't I have a healthy glow about me? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I've always had that. So, you know. Anyways. Yeah, I'm having a kid. Um, yeah. the They're inducing on the 7th. So Awesome. Yeah, little Blakely will be here. Awesome. Exciting. I'm glad that we get to see her before we actually head out of the country. Yeah, which is good. And you guys are heading out to uh, make preparations for digging a well, right? And yep, uh, get yep. all that stuff done and feed the homeless and clothe the unclothed. And Yeah, we're going to focusing on babies this time. Yeah. So we're just babies all the way around. That's right. <clears throat> so, Yay. yeah, we're bringing cloth diapers and cool all kinds of stuff like that. Things that are reusable work really well over there sure i mean disposable diapers would be a <laughs> pointless yeah yeah so, anyway and most of the most of the babies over there are just they just keep them naked right they just let them you know go to the bathroom wherever they're at that's what i say we should do too <laughs> yeah until you're holding one. <laughs> and she just goes yeah and that's what that's what kind of made uh Made us think about it was uh, wow. We we saw like a baby peeing all over his mom, and, you know. Holy crap! Him. Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah. Anyway, so we're focusing on babies. We're we're bringing all kinds of stuff: uh, baby clothes, diapers, yeah. uh, all kinds of of um, things to. To take care of babies with and formula and awesome. That's we we last time we were there we saw a baby that was sick and didn't have any formula and that that sort of thing and right and so uh, we went and bought them some while we were there. Wow. So we're gonna bring some some with us and <clears throat> hopefully hopefully it'll work out really good. That's awesome, man. That's so, good. So you ready to dive into this? Hey, thing? let's do it. Have you ever heard the saying, cleanliness is next to godliness? <laughs> I have, and I totally believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is, um, is when, anytime you see a list of, of sayings that you didn't know weren't in the Bible, that's one of them that usually comes up. That's right. Know? And uh, just like, did you know that cleanliness is next to godliness is not actually in the Bible? <laughs> and the phrase is not in the Bible. Right, but what we're going to kind of look at today is that uh, the concept is in the Bible. Yes, but we're not talking about cleaning your room. No, <laughs> we're talking about total one hundred percent purity. What does it mean to be clean? What, it, what does it mean to be pure? What is it? What does God require as far as purity is concerned, or what does God require as far as holiness is concerned? Right? Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, that step. So interesting. Yeah, a lot of this is coming from the Old Testament. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and it's going to lead to great New Testament stuff. Right. But in but in studying this, uh, we were just kind of talking about it. This has come up actually on the on the show before last year. Uh, I talked some about. Of what we're going to talk about today, but not at length. Um, but you know, let's see. You're you're going through Leviticus with our our youth group. Yes. We, so we've just made it to uh, Leviticus, and uh, one of my favorite um, 
theologians, my father, <laughs> said this one said this to me one time, and it was really good, and it just stuck with me. So Exodus is where God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, okay. and Leviticus is where God takes Egypt out of the people of Israel. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And so we've been really <laughs> looking at what it means, you know, what what it meant to be God's chosen people, and all this Levitical stuff, which is really fun when you get into it because it's kind of like. Whoa, some crazy stuff in Leviticus, right? Right. Especially if you're a teenager, you're like, uh, so I can't wear polyester? Yeah. What are you saying? <laughs> it's 50-50. <laughs> oh, it's, or it's even... Uh, this is this is an atheist's favorite book. Oh, very because much they so. love to go say, uh, "Oh, okay, so we should stone all the disobedient children <laughs> right. and and yeah, <laughs> take them outside the tent and destroy them." Huh? Yes. Is that what you're saying? So, how can you serve a god like that? Yeah. Well, one of the things that that we're going to find out is that a lot of this, the law, out of especially out of Leviticus here, is about Cleanliness. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's about being made clean. Yes. And keeping yourself pure and all of this sort of stuff. Of course, we know through the New Testament that the Jews weren't able to do this. Right. And through our own experiences, we know even if we followed Leviticus to the T, we would still not be clean. Right. Because of our because of our nature. Exactly. And so that the p- part of it is to teach us that we can't be as clean as God needs us to be. Exactly. So setting up Leviticus, the backdrop, imagine this, you know, um, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, You had the whole Red Sea crossing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they meet around Mount Sinai, and they camp there, and God tells them to go up on the mountain, and Moses goes up on the mountain on their behalf because they're so absolutely afraid of God. Right. Because he's this big, powerful thing. And they should be afraid of God, by the way. It's a natural, healthy fear, I think, <clears throat> when you see a gigantic thunder show with lightning and God speaks out of it. <coughs> a cloud. Right. Like following you everywhere you go. Exactly. And a pillar of fire. So, uh, so Moses goes up on there, gets the Ten Commandments, comes back down. Uh, they blow the covenant. We talked about that last time, right? <clears throat> right. And then uh, then basically God lays down these laws. Um, they build the tabernacle, they set it up, and then God gives them this huge book of Levitical laws. Yeah. Um, so the first seven chapters deal with all these sacrifices, these uh, sin atonement sacrifices, blood atonement, mm-hmm. um, uh, <clears throat> grain offerings to God, all these different uh, first fruit sacrifices, all these different sacrifices. Uh, chapters 8 through 10 deal with setting up Aaron's line uh, of priests, right? right the Levites. Right. And then starting in chapter 11 and really going all the way through 17, 18, 19, 20, going all the way through here are the purity <coughs> laws, right? And it even ends with the purity laws, chapter 23 through 27. And there are some really interesting purity laws. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to get into this, yeah. it's pretty funny. But uh, well, <clears throat> one of the things we, let's look at the reason why God had to had to kind of do this. Sure, is let's, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, because if we go to the Garden of Eden, Genesis one, uh, verse thirty one is God creates man, and then He says, and it was good. Right. Okay. So at this time, before the fall, everything's good. Everything's clean. Right. Okay. So God is actually able to walk with man in the cool of the evening, as it says. He is like spending time with with man. Man is in God's presence. It is no big deal, right? Right. Because at this point, everything is still good. Everything man is still clean. It wasn't until the sin happened and the fall happened, right, that this divide between man and God existed, and primarily that gap exists because man became unclean. Yeah. And we talked about in the last episode about uh, Habakkuk saying that your eyes are too pure to look upon sin. Right. You can't endure it. It, And and so uh, if that's us, if that's what we are, then we can't stand in the presence of God. Because we're unclean. Yeah. So that leads to this whole dictate of, okay, what do we need to do 
to be clean. Right. And uh, so th- there's a couple of ways that um, we could become clean. We could either uh, be- become clean by whatever rituals God sets forth and maintain that state perpetually without flaw. <laughs> we see how well that went. Right. Or the unclean person must somehow be declared as clean, even if he isn't clean. Right. And that's obviously where we're going. Exactly. Uh, So uh, to go back to something I've been big on lately is the whole uh, unilateral and bilateral covenant stuff. Yes. So God makes the unilateral covenant with Abraham, fulfills it in Christ. Uh, This Sinai scene is God making the bilateral covenant with the children of Israel. So here's the idea. God is going to create a picture for us and for every other person in the world. Yes. And he's going to use the children of Israel as his picture. So what he's going to do is show them what it means to be clean. Mm -hmm. Right? So he's setting up this whole rule system and the sacrifice system to show them and everybody else outside of them, them them being the chosen This is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. That's right. And it's primarily involved blood. Exactly. So, yeah, there's a ton of blood in here. In fact, the first seven chapters are all about sacrifices, Mm -hmm. right? And then you have chapter 17, which is don't eat anything with the blood in it because the blood is given for you as a sacrifice to atone for sin. Right. Right? So we have this whole idea. Even Adam and Eve was the first thing God did for them. He clothed them with the... With the skins of animals, which meant blood was spilled on their behalf. Right. In order to cover them, right. In order to uh, purify them, in in, in a way. Um, let's go to um, Leviticus five, okay? Because I, I think there's a, a cool, there's some cool passages here that I want to touch on. Uh, Leviticus five, verse two through six, says, "Or if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether a carcass of an unclean wild animal, or a carcass of an unclean livestock, or a carcass of unclean swarming things." And it is hidden from him, and he has become unclean, and he realizes his guilt. Or if he touches human unclean, uncleanness of whatever sort the uncleanness may be with which one becomes unclean, <laughs> and it is hidden from him when he comes to know it and realizes his guilt. Or if anyone utters with his lips a rash oath to do evil or to do good, any sort of rash oath that people swear and it is hidden from him when he comes to know it and he realizes his guilt in any of these, when he realizes his guilt in any of these and confesses the sin he has committed, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation for that sin that he hath committed a female from the flock, a lamb or a goat for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin. So the thing that that why I picked this particular part is just the inundation that we're getting here, right? About this word "clean." He's like, if you touch anything unclean, or if you've been around anything unclean, or if you've smelt something unclean, or you looked at it wrong and it was unclean, <laughs> I need you to atone for this, even if you don't know that you've yeah, done it. Yeah. Oh, and you've come to realize, oh, you accidentally made yourself. Unclean, right? In some way, then you need to to go sacrifice and make atonement, right? For it. Uh, in chapter eleven, God gives a specific list of clean and unclean animals. Right? Mm-hmm. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have divided hooves. It is unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have hooves, so it is unclean for you. The hare, though it chews the cud, does not have hooves. It is unclean for you. The pig. Though it is divided hooves, does not chew the cud, and is unclean for you. Do not eat any of their meat, touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Yes. Right? Uh, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, in, in Jumping back a chapter, Leviticus 10, verse 10 through 11, he says, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Right. So this is like kind of the the one of the key note passages here of Leviticus 
you're to determine, you're to, to distinguish between unclean and clean. Yeah. And this is, I'm going to tell you how to do it. And uh, you read from chapter 11 about the clean and unclean animals. Right. Chapter 12 deals with the impurity of childbirth. Which I think is hilarious because if it's a boy, the woman only has to go away for 33 days after she has the kid. <laughs> but if it's a girl, she has to go away for 66 days. <laughs> So that's really interesting. God yeah, mandated that. I should that. tell you something. Yeah. So, women. I don't know what it tells us. I don't know what it tells us. <clears throat> Sorry, honey. Uh, <laughs> chapter 13 deals with the uncleanness of leprosy and how to deal with it to keep the camp clean right. if it actually, actually comes into the camp. Uh, chapter 14 deals with uh, cleansing lepers and their houses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like wow, and it's really interesting. I mean, this leprosy thing. These are some. These are the two longest chapters in Leviticus. Yes, dealing with this, right? Well, of course, we. They must have had a lot of leper problems. Yeah, I think they either they did or God really want to focus on this whole idea of leprosy, <laughs> which would make sense to me because leprosy is a great picture of sin. It is yes in Scripture, and in fact, it is. It's really cool to note because of these two chapters that that's why there's leper colonies. Right. Like, that's why uh, these lepers are put out, and, and they're living in caves, and they're living in the in the valleys out away from everybody else. Yeah. And they would have to ring a little bell <clears> when <throat> anybody came close and say, unclean, unclean, pronounce themselves, right? Yeah, horrible. Yeah. And so then, um, but here's a cool thing, a picture of Jesus before he dies even, like giving foreshadowing type of things. Uh, he comes across some lepers, and, he, and it says, uh, "Then, having compassion upon him, yeah. it says he touched him." Now, and we just read over that because, okay, so he touched him. No, for Jews, this was a huge deal. So when Jesus touched him, then that dude's unclean. You don't touch people who are unclean, right? And but yet Jesus has compassion on him and touches him and heals him. Um, chapter 15 deals with bodily discharges yep. and how to become clean if that's occurring. Uh, obviously, that includes uh, menstrual cycles and everything else. I mean, there's right. all kinds of, of, um, of, of craziness in here. The, but the point is, it was so hard for people to do all this continually um, <clears throat> that it was almost impossible. Uh, and if you were a priest... This goes even further because right. the priest had a specific job. Oh yeah. So okay, so you know about the um, uh, the tabernacle, right? Yes. Yes. So you had basically the outer courts, the inner courts, and the holy of holies. Mm-hmm. The outer courts, every Jew uh, was every Jewish man was allowed to be in. Right. Right. Uh, the inner court was where the priests were only allowed to. That was where the showbread was, the table was. Uh, the lampstand, all that stuff. Yeah, um, the holy and, place. The holy place, and it was actually a place of sacrifice. So they would sacrifice uh, sin offerings, all that stuff on on a on a sacrifice sacrificial thing there. Oh no, that's outside the holy place. That was that's uh, the inner court, like you said. The inner court. I'm sorry. So the showbread and everything is inside flipped. the holy place. That's right, inside the holy place. So and the inner court is the altar. That's where the priest would sacrifice. Right. Right. Exactly. And the laver w- with the. Uh, with with the cleansing the, the water that they would cleanse themselves prior, this is all about being clean again. Right, cleanse themselves prior to going into the actual holy place, right? In the tabernacle, and then you had the one place where it's a no no to go into, and that was the holy of holies, right? Where the ark of the covenant rested, and actually where it was God's throne room. Basically, mm-hmm. God set the mercy seat uh, upon uh, the ark of the covenant, and. That's where he spoke to the people and everything. And so. before all this is through, we get to the Day of Atonement, which is the only time of the year when the priest could actually go into the holiest of right. holies, through past the veil, into the holiest place, and put blood on the mercy seat. Yeah. And um, you, you often hear the story about how they would tie a rope to the guy's yeah. leg. So if he thought a thought or sinned so, a sin. Yeah, so if he died in there, he could be... God would strike him dead and he could him. be pulled out. So in that vein, let's talk a little bit about 
the first time this happened. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. So, so this is this is a story that it's 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 very popular in in um, many circles and very misunderstood in a lot of circles. Yes, and I think uh, in fact there was a book just written about it called Strange Fire from John MacArthur. Really? Yes. I, I haven't. And it's all about how... Is it messed up? It's basically, it's all about how if you do worship in a wrong way. Oh, he's missing the point. (laughs) He's missing the cleanliness thing. Right. And that's what we're, that's what all of this is about. Exactly. Okay, so um, what, what what is going on here is we have in chapter 10 of Leviticus, we have this event, um, and I'll read from the NET here. Okay. Uh, it's a very short little story. Sure. Uh, Leviticus 10 says, Then Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, I, before before I carry on there, uh, these guys are Aaron's Become sons priests, yeah. that, are, that have been named priests, and in t- a couple of chapters earlier, they had gone through a consecration process right? where they had to stay inside the holy place and had to do all these special things. Like they had to sacrifice the blood of like a bull and put it on their ear. I mean, I can't remember what all. <laughs> there was all this ritual. Yeah, this huge, it's actually a cleansing ritual yes. in order for them to yes. become priests. And so they had to eat uh, the showbread. And, yeah. I mean, there was all this stuff that was designed to not only cleanse them. But ordain them. But to cleanse everything oh, yeah, in right. the holy place. Yeah, so the right. altar of incense, the showbread, the, um, the menorah. These are all things that are inside the holy place, and right. everything had to be cleansed and made pure in God's sight through these blood rituals. Right. And and so that all has already happened. Okay, so now it's time to actually do a sacrifice. Right. And you got Nadab and Bahu, brand new at this, just consecrated, just ready to go. And it says, each took his fire pan and put fire in it, set incense on it, and presented strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. So fire went out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them so that they died before the Lord. Okay, so we have these couple of verses here that give us this story about these two guys, these priests, they go in and they, it, we're not sure exactly what they did. They took, uh, it says his own pan and put fire in it. Right. Some translations Talk about a coal from the camp, um, and it, but it says presented strange fire, right? And that's where John MacArthur gets the title of his book. And strange fire is once again very unprecise in the Hebrew. That's right. Uh, it, it, we're not sure if it was the actual uh, if, they, if they took a coal from the camp, then that would be. Um, things that had been consecrated in the holy of holies was now being unconsecrated right was being made dirty again or unclean again um there are there is a suggestion here that maybe they actually took this strange fire into the holiest place which could very well be what what it means by strange fire it was not supposed to go into the holy holy, holiest place that's actually what i believe so it could be a lot of things, but yeah. it, but whatever it is, it was not commanded for them to do. Right. But here is what the, the issue is. It says, so fire came out and burned these guys. Now, most people, when they only read these two verses all by themselves, they read in it, and you could very easily read this, that, oh, they disobeyed God, God struck them down. Right. That is not exactly what happened. No, and and here's the thing. People take the this story, and this is one of the main reasons we even wanted to do this in the first place, this this subject. Yeah. People take the story and, and they twist it to say, okay, so if you're doing your worship service in a way that God does not authorize, then basically what you're doing is the same thing that God, that Nahab and Abihu did. Uh, you're presenting strange fire in front of the Lord right. and right. God's going to strike you down. Right? So if you don't do your two hymns and then your two worship songs in that order... <laughs> And then do, you know, make sure that you're doing the Lord's Supper and you're praying for the, you know, you you take the bread before you drink the wine and you pray before each, right? right? right. Uh, and you make sure you break that bread right before it. Then you're presenting strange fire before the Lord. And boy, he doesn't, you yes. see what happened to Nahab and Abihu here. <clears throat> yeah. Right. That, and so the, what we're going to see here is that there's something else going on. First off, let's read the next verse. Yeah. Because the next verse is very telling. Oh, yeah. In, in chapter 10, verse 3, it says, Moses then said to Aaron, <laughs> This is what the Lord spoke. 
Among the ones close to me, I will show myself holy, and the presence of all the people will be honored. So Aaron kept silent. Okay, so Aaron understood. My children just died, okay? Yeah. But, but he's saying he kept quiet about it because he understood. What he's saying is that God needs to be seen as sanctified before the people. Exactly. So uh, what had happened was they had spent all this time consecrating this room and making it pure so that they could come into the presence of God with the offering. What happened is they came in and defiled that and became unclean. So now that they're unclean in in the presence of the Lord, uh, he strikes them down. So um, and and there are there are other places where he comes right right out and says, "If you come unto me unclean, you will die." Right. I mean, he had, he had already said he that. He mandates that. In fact, the entire book again, the entire book of Leviticus is about being becoming clean. Right. Okay. Now here's so you go. Oh, okay. Well, you're you're, you're that's not con- that's that's not conclusive enough. Okay, well, let's read the rest of the story because right. it doesn't end here. Uh, so you got two new guys that come in. That's right. You've you've got Mishael and Elzaphan. Um, the these guys come in. Oh, those are the guys that carried the brothers away. Uh, sorry, Eleazar and, and Ithamar, Ithamar yep. are Aaron's second set of sons. <laughs> right, <laughs> they get the job. And uh, <laughs> I can imagine being Eleazar <laughs> and Ithamar going, um, no, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want this job. Like my brother's yeah. died. Listen, listen to what it says. It says, then Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his other two sons, do not dishevel the hair of your heads and do not tear your garments so that you do not die, and so that wrath does not come upon the whole congregation. So no pressure. Yeah. Your brothers, all the house of Israel, are to mourn the burning which the Lord had caused. But you must not go out from the entrance of the meeting tent lest you die, uh, for the Lord's anointing oil is on you. Okay, so we have here, okay, what's going on? They're being consecrated to take the place. This anointing oil is a cleansing thing to clean them. Right. And they're wearing it. And he says, I don't care how distraught you are about your brother's death. Don't, yeah. You can't leave this place. You can't leave the tent. You're pure right now. Because you are being purified. And if you leave, you will be unclean. And what's it say? Lest you die. Right. You're going to get destroyed. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is these guys, uh, these guys goof up too. Yeah. But God didn't strike them down. Right, and that's the the big point. Okay, if God was striking down everyone who disobeyed Him, then He would have killed these guys too. Not only Him, but let's go back. Uh, how about Moses, Abraham? Oh, yeah. uh, He would have killed all of them, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we drop down to verse sixteen, it says, "Later, Moses sought diligently for the sin offering male goat, but it had actually been burnt." So he became angry at Eleazar and Ithamar, Aaron's remaining sons, saying, Why did you not eat the sin offering in the sanctuary? For it was the most it was most holy, and he gave it to you to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement on the behalf before the Lord. See here, its blood was not brought into the holy place within. You should certainly have eaten it in the sanctuary, just as I commanded. <laughs> but Aaron spoke to Moses. See here. Just today, they presented their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten a sin offering today, would the Lord have been pleased? And when Moses heard that explanation, he was satisfied. Okay, these, none of these guys got killed. Aaron didn't get killed. He said, look, this is, I've done this too. He was, he was like, look, they're scared. Right. They wanted to get this job done and get out. And so they didn't consume the sacrifice the way they were supposed to. They were supposed to eat it, to eat it in order to take the atonement right. into them. But they didn't do it. They disobeyed God. They did something they weren't supposed to do. They didn't do something they were supposed to do. Right. God doesn't strike them down. Why? Because that particular thing... Didn't have to do with... Home, uh, didn't make them purity. unclean. That's right. It didn't have to do with the, purity. There was nothing unclean about, about this. Exactly. Okay, so... Um, 
I want to jump ahead to Isaiah. Okay. Okay, because Isaiah remembers this story well. In oh, Isaiah yeah. chapter 6, we have <laughs> uh, uh, we have something that's happening here. Yeah. Isaiah goes into the temple. Now, this is years later. Now we have a temple, but it's structured the same way. you got right. the holy place. you got the holiest of places. Okay, so Isaiah's a prophet. He's hanging out in here. He is not a priest. Right. He's a prophet. Totally <laughs> so he comes in, and all of a sudden, the whole place is transformed, and he's in the throne room of God. Yeah. He sees a vision. Scares him to death. Right. Okay, listen, it says, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim, which is an angel, mm-hmm. flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Okay, so what's going on here? Okay, he's in, he's in, the, this, this, um, in the holy place before the, God, before the Lord, and he's, the first thing he says is, Wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be here because right. I am not clean and I'm going to get struck down. I'm going to be Nadab and Abihu. Sure. And I and I can't be here. And he declares his uncleanness. Right. Well, the 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 angel then goes and gets what does he get? He a gets coal. a coal from the altar of incense, which is exactly what Nadab and Abihu were supposed to do. Right. Instead of whatever the strange fire thing was, because that is a that was sanctified. And they he takes it and he puts it on Isaiah's lips. And says, okay, you're clean now. Right. You've been clean because this was clean, and now you can be in God's presence. Exactly. Okay, and then we have the whole story about here am I, send me. You right. know, the whole, <laughs> the, sure. the, the whole thing. So um, uh, one more example that I'd like to bring up before we get um, too far off of this subject is another event that happens <clears throat> in 2 Samuel 6. Okay. This is... Um, often referred to as Uzzah and the Ark. Yeah, I love this one. Okay, so what's going on here is, <laughs> and, and this all often comes up with the Nadab and Abihu Story. type of thing. Okay, but what's going on here is the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen. Right. And um, through a turn of events, the Ark was basically sent back to, to Israel. <laughs> the turn of events being God cursing the uh, Philistines. Philistines. Uh, with all different types of diseases, the last one, like it was hemorrhoids, hemorrhoids, that's right. And so the Philistines go and get that thing out of here. We don't want it anymore. Come get your ark. Right. Right. So it ended up at a guy's house. Right. And anyway, David goes to go get it. And uh, here's the thing. There was all these instructions about handling the ark and how you were supposed to do it. Right. Right. You were supposed to carry the Levites were supposed to carry it on staves. Right. And no one could touch it, and and there's all these rules around it, right? Well, what do they do? They go get it because the Philistines had put it on a cart. Right. They went and got the cart, and so they're carrying it back to... On a cart. On a cart, which is not the way it's supposed to happen. Exactly. And Uzzah, who is a Levite, but he's not a priest, and he has not gone through the consecration process. Right. He had, he had not hung out in the holy place and waited on to be in the presence of God. Right. He was out of here walking along beside the thing. And the cart, you know, hits a rough place and it looks like the ark is going to tumble. And so Uzzah reaches up. Just does his natural thing. In response. And he touches the ark to steady it. And when he does, bam, he's struck dead. Right. <clears throat> okay. So uh, the the point uh, that, that often comes up is, well, he was told not to do it. He did it. Bam. God kills him. It's not that simple. Once again, this was God's throne on the earth at the time. Right. This is where the presence of God was. And you don't come into the presence of God in an unclean state. Exactly. Uzzah was unclean. He reached up and touched the ark. Bam, died. If this was simply about disobedience, everybody there should have died. They were all doing the wrong thing. Because they were all doing it wrong. Exactly. David himself should have died. David was chief among that because he was the leader there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, 
<clears throat> so anyway, um, this whole thing is basically the same thing that Nadab and Abihu experienced. They came into, into God's presence in an unclean state. Right. So what does this mean for us today, if we were to break it down? Um, I want to jump to Leviticus 16 because I think that this, okay. to me... So all of Leviticus, I've been in studying this, The pure, mostly it's all purity, their sacrificial stuff. Mm-hmm. Right in the center of it, you have the story of the Day of Atonement, which you had already alluded to. Right. And something I want to get to. So okay. you have chapter 10, which is... Uh, Aaron's sons dying, right? The beginning. Yes. Uh, Aaron's sons dying. And it's almost like then, then uh, Moses, well, God goes on this tirade from 10 through to 16, all about the cleanliness stuff again. Yes. Right? Yes. And then in chapter 16, it's almost like he picks up the story. Right. Right? And this is this is basically what he says. The Lord spoke to Moses, and this is in chapter 16, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two of Aaron's sons when they approached the presence of the Lord and died. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place behind the veil in front of the mercy seat or the ark, or else he will die because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So... This is the reason, by the way, I take that that whole idea that they actually went into the Holy of Holies because mm-hmm. God's like, listen, tell Aaron, you can't do that. You can't come back right. here. There's only one time that you come back here. This is the time. So he. So this is actually the Lord giving Moses more instruction after the event of Nadab and Abihu. Exactly. Saying, okay, we're going to prevent this from happening anymore. Here's what you've got to do. This is what you do. Don't come into the Holy of Holies. Right. Because I need you to be clean when you're here. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, this is what he gives him, the rule. Uh, Verse 3. Aaron is to enter the most holy place in this way, when a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for, uh, with a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He is to wear a holy linen tunic, and linen undergarments are to be on his body. He must tie a linen sash around him and wrap his head with a linen turban. There, These are holy garments. He must bathe his body with water before he wears them. He is to take from the Israelite community two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Okay, So he gives him these instructions. The first thing... You have to bathe. You have to be ritualistically clean, yes, right? And you yes. have to put on your holy garments, your clean garments before yeah. you can come in. The white linen. White, obviously, symbolizing all through Scripture, purity. Right. Okay? Good. So Aaron is supposed to bring a bull and two goats. And I'll just sum up what he says from here on, because I think this is so this is so key to this whole purity issue. Mm-hmm. So what he does is he kills the ram and sacrifices it, as a sin offering for himself, for Aaron, for himself. Right. Then the two goats, he puts his hands on them, right? And one, he casts lots over them. And one of them becomes a sacrifice. He kills that one. The other one becomes what's called the scapegoat, mm-hmm. which is a really cool thing. And basically what happens is Aaron kneels down and he speaks over this goat all the sins of the people, Right? And then he sends that goat off into the wilderness. He sends it out of the camp. Right. So the idea is with one goat sacrifice, the other goat takes the sin of the people outside of God's presence. (laughs) Purity. Right. That's that whole picture. Right. He does this once every seven months. Also, he takes the blood of the of the bull and of the goat that he sacrificed, and he goes into the Holy of Holies and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat, flicks seven times on the mercy seat for each one. This whole picture is God purifying the people. And he does this once every seven months, seven being the number of completion we've talked about before. And it's a picture, it's a shadow of what's to to come. In chapter 17, he very God very specifically says blood is used for uh, atonement. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the reason why you're not supposed to eat anything with blood in it, because right. blood is supposed to be the thing for atonement. Well, what blood is he talking about? He says, for life is in the blood. Yes. Okay. Yes. So obviously, this <clears throat> is a picture of what really is going to make these people clean. 
Okay, so let's fast forward. Yeah. And let's look at Jesus on the cross. Yes. Okay. Jesus says something here, um, or doesn't say something here. It's Matthew 27. This is this is when Jesus dies. Right. Okay, Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two <laughs> from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Okay, so what happened here? Uh-huh. Is it just a random thing that this curtain tore in the temple and Matthew bothered to tell us about it? No, this is not a random thing. This is directly referring back to the cleanliness issues of uh, Leviticus. Right. So what happened is when Jesus died and atoned for all our sins, everything that Nadab and Abihu and uh, Ithamar and Eleazar, everything those guys had to go through to be made clean, Jesus took care of it. It one fell swoop. We don't have to go into a holy place right. and put blood of a bull on our ears and hang out <laughs> eating showbread for eight days. We don't have to do that anymore. No. We've been made clean by this sacrifice. His blood has now taken the place of all those uh, atonement uh, blood offerings. Right. And uh, so the cool thing here is the, the curtain it's talking about is the one between the holiest place and the holy place. Right. So where the Ark of the Covenant was supposed to be, the curtain was torn. Ripped from top to bottom. From top to bottom, which means you can't close it again. That's right. So the point being, we can now go straight into the presence of God without fear of being struck down. Right. Hebrews uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 14, where, where the writer of Hebrews is making his case for Jesus being the high priest mm-hmm. in the line of Melchizedek, not the line of uh, Levi. Right. Well, right. He's outside that line. Yes. He makes atonement for all mankind, mm-hmm. and he's the high priest. And it says in verse 14, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was pure. Yes. Christ was the pure one, and he was sacrificed, right, for our behalf. And it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Yes. So it's this whole idea, this paradigm shift, really, where when Christ made that sacrifice became the propitiation of our sin, mm-hmm. the scapegoat for our sin, the one that carried our sins. All those things that were that were out. foreshadowed. That's right. We became positionally perfect. Mm-hmm. This made, idea... Made clean. We are clean. Yes. And that's such... I don't know about you, but that's such an encouragement to me because you look at Leviticus and this whole thing is a set of laws. Yes. That we, there's no way we can do. And yet we don't have to because we've been made clean by Christ. Okay. I want to look at a couple more verses. Here. Sure. Okay. So Ephesians, this is Paul writing, talking about Jesus. Actually, he's talking about husbands and wives. And then he kind of reveals this isn't just about husbands and wives. There's a, there's a bigger thing going right. on here. So in Ephesians 5, verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her by cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word so that he might present the church to himself as glorious, Mm -hmm. not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. Yes. Okay, this is what was trying to be accomplished by all those ritualistic baths and all those sacrifices right. and all that hanging out in the holy place and, and all of that, that that those guys, Nadab and Abihu, and all those guys were trying to do. Jesus took care of it at the cross and washed us, made us clean, Finished it, yeah. and made us without spot, without blemish, so that we can be in the very presence of God. Amen. It is impossible for a Christian to do what Nadab and Abihu did. 
It's impossible. Amen. You can't sin the way they did. That's right. You cannot be in that position anymore. That's right. It's gone. Jesus took care of it. Yeah. So I don't. I haven't read the John MacArthur book. <laughs> but we can't do what Nadab and Abihu did. Right. There's no warning there for us. Right. Well, that's true. And here's here's my only warning: if you're not found in Christ, that's where the warning is. Exactly. Right? As a Christian, though. If you, if you have come to Jesus Christ and been made clean and washed the way it just said there in Ephesians, or, and it's all over the New Testament, oh, yeah. uh, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 9 through 11, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, do not be deceived, neither will the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, or thieves, or greedy, or drunkards, or revilers, or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So, yes, those things, we were filthy. We were dirty. But we were made clean. That's right. We were cleansed and sanctified. Yeah. And so, that's... Once we've been made clean... Jesus is in our place yeah. when we approach God. Right. So the people who try to practice the Levitical law today and the people who try to make themselves clean, I think we're missing the point. Um, because, again, that chapter 16, the, the scapegoat chapter, mm-hmm. is, is right smack dab in the middle of Leviticus. Right? Yes, yes, yes. It's almost like it's a big arrow pointing into <clears throat> and going, this is the reason we're doing this, right. because we're believing that there will be a Messiah who's going to come and do it all for us. Mm-hmm. And so we we have to rest in that. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, we can just do whatever we want. You no, know. no, no. Well, it depends on what you want. Exactly. Your your, your desire <laughs> should be changed exactly. by this. This should have an impact on you. This is not just something that... That uh, oh okay, uh, it, it, you know I I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's not just that this fixes us positionally, and that should have an impact on you. Yeah. Um, I love you know when we're talking about Nadab and Abihu. What were they? They were priests, right? Okay, and they had to go through that exhausting process, and their brothers had to go through that same process while grieving right. the loss of their brothers. Knowing that it could happen to them again. Yes, yeah. and being told, don't leave the tent because you have the oil on your head and that's you're going to die Exactly. If, if you do. Okay, Revelation, last book of the Bible, right? First chapter, verse 5 through 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest mm. to his God, and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he's made us priests. Priest. We've we've already gone through the cleansing That's right. process. And so so anyway, cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm-hmm. And you have to be clean to be next to God. That's right. <laughs> Amen. He's kind of serious about that. He's he holy, is. you know. And he wasn't goofing around. No. I mean, that's why Uzzah got struck down. That's why Nadabah got blown up. That's right. It was uh, it was all about him trying to make the statement, look, I, I demand cleanliness. And if you aren't clean in my in my presence, you will die. Right. And there's no way you can make yourself clean, so I'm gonna go ahead and make you clean. Right. Ooh. So that's a good anyway. God who loves us. Amen. So cleanliness is next to godliness. Word. After all, it's in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Read it. And now the news. <laughs> oh, let's see. What do we have? A new report <clears throat> finds that nearly 46 million people are currently living in slavery. 46 million people. currently. That's amazing, living. isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is from Relevant. Right now, 45.8 million people around the world are living in slavery. The shocking number is part of the 2016 Global Slavery Index released by the Walk Free Foundation, which showcases just how prevalent the problem remains around the world. Their ability to gather new data and research deeper into the problem has led to them finding 28% more slaves uh, than just two years ago. Even though holding people against their will and selling of human beings is illegal throughout the world. In many countries, human trafficking, bonded labor, and forced labor remain common practices. 
Uh, India is by far the worst offender in terms of sheer numbers. Uh, North Korea is up there. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. So, you know, and every time that you participate in pornography, you're... You're contributing. You're contributing to that. And you might go, wait wait a minute, what are you talking about? (laughs) Every time you click on that, you're... uh, you are providing a revenue for people who are abusing uh, mm-hmm. others and basically it's slavery. Yeah. So anyways, that's a, that's a shocking thing. It's pretty sad. Um, the migrant death toll, uh, the migrants, uh, you know, that are, um, uh, uh, basically without, uh, from the middle East who, that are without homes and trying to enter, in the United States and everything, it uh, has suppressed 1,000 in the last week. Mm. So 1,000 in the last week. The death toll among migrants attempted to cross the Mediterranean Sea has climbed past 1,000 in the last eight days alone, though that number could be even higher. The latest report from the International Organization for Migration is even worse than UN report released on Sunday that found at least 700 drownings occurred since last week. In a statement, the IOM said the past eight days marks one of the deadliest periods yet in the migration crisis, which is now in its fourth year. Wow. You know, it's crazy that that wasn't major news. A thousand people dying. <laughs> but the gorilla getting shot in the zoo. is <laughs> like eating up all the... That's all the news it's everywhere. right now. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's so nuts. Um on the lighter side, that, that was a couple of pretty bad ones. Yeah. Henry Heimlich, the guy who yes. did the Heimlich maneuver, yes, he did. finally got to use his famous maneuver for the first time ever in real life. <laughs> how, <laughs> how old is he? Uh, let's see. He's 96 years old. He lives in a senior living facility. At a recent meal, one of his fellow residents started choking on her meal before the maitre d' for the dining room could go down, uh, get to the woman. Heimlich sprung into action and dislodged whatever food the woman was choking on. Heimlich told the Inquirer, when I used it and she recovered quickly, it made me appreciate how wonderful it has been able, it has been to be able to save all those lives. That's awesome. <laughs> in other words i was right <laughs> wow it really does work that's great <laughs> anyways uh uh let's see let's do a little bit of uh this time in church history hop in the tardis yeah go back in time it's bigger on the inside it is visit the uh the 1700s <laughs> actually the 1600s 1661 today 1661 a man by the name of James Guthrie have you ever heard of James Guthrie he was a scottish uh presbyterian pastor okay he got really upset with scotland and england whenever they uh, separated from the Catholic Church and became the Church of England. Oh, okay. And the main reason was because he uh, did not think that uh, the king should be um, the declared um, the the head holy, of the, the holy head of the church. Right, right. That only Christ could fill that role. So he started preaching out against it. The vicar. Yep, that's right. And this was his famous statement, Mike. My conscience I cannot submit to you, but this old crazy body and mortal flesh I do submit to do with whatever you will, whether by death or banishment, imprisonment, anything else. Only I beg you to ponder well what profit it is there is in my blood. It is not by killing me or many others that you will kill the covenant or the works of the Reformation. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, they hung him. Uh <laughs> So they went ahead and hugged him, and then they cut off his head, and they put it on a pike in front of his church, and there it sat for 26 years. What? Until a brave follower finally got the gumption up. To bury him or whatever? To take it and bury it. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> I love the stories Pretty of crazy. performers like that. Yeah. <laughs> when he died, he's just like, hey, tell my kids I love them. See you later. And died. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Awesome. Good old James Guthrie. So cool. That's all I got today. The old trivia. Thank you. Thank you. Don't applaud, just throw money. Are we starting over? Um, Have we gone all the way through? Yeah, we've we've gone all the way through. (laughs) 
We're starting over. I don't remember, actually. All right, let's start over. Old okay. Testament. All right. Oh, that's way too easy. All right. What are the first four words in the Bible? <laughs> that's way too easy, dude. Um... Um, in the beginning, God. Yep, that's right. I don't even have to look at it. Hey, look, you're right. Good job. Okay. All right. What book tells the story of Onan? <laughs> really? It asked that? Yeah. <laughs> you know the story. Right? Oh, I know the story. I'm just trying to remember what book. It's not Genesis, is it? It is Genesis. It is Genesis. Okay, yeah. good. I knew it was one of the early ones. Yeah. Yeah, I know Onanism. <laughs> All right, anyways. <laughs> okay, history and geography. Yes. For 100. Name any two of the four rivers that form the boundary of the Garden of Eden. I'm going to say Tigris and Euphrates. Yeah, I figured you'd say those. And the third one, it starts with a P. It's like... Pishon. Pishon. And Gihon. Gihon. Okay, gotcha. All right. What did... History and geography. Uh Uh-huh. What did mammon mean? It's funny you should ask that, Dave. (laughs) You want me to wait? It's almost over. What is it? Mammon. What is mammon? What is it? That's what it means, right? No, 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 no. Not manna. Mammon. You cannot serve God in mammon. Oh. Uh, hmm. Shoot. <laughs> Money? <laughs> I thought you Riches. said, what does manna mean? No, no, no. Mammon. But that, in... but that was a good answer. You get a bonus for that. Yeah, Because that was right. That was right. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, we didn't have... Well, we had a little bit of feedback. Okay. Uh, last time. Uh, but <laughs> I'm not going to go into all of it. Right. Because uh, basically, we, we have a listener who uh, was a little concerned. Sure. With how we addressed uh, one of the news articles, I guess, two episodes back. Right. It's one of the biggest controversial issues facing America right now. It's the bathroom issue. Yeah, the whole the transgender, transgender bathroom thing. And th- the main concern was not necessarily that that they disagreed with what we were saying, but it was more our bane of just being insensitive. Right, which we, which happens before, and we need to be kept in check with that. So that's Yes, I really appreciate yeah. uh, them writing in and telling us, hey, you need to you need to be a little more sensitive because there could be transgender people listening. That's and right. You, and you want to offer a, um, you know, a, an olive leaf type of, I mean. You, exactly. That, that, you know, God, God loves them, and this is not a, um, this is not a, uh, a hate thing, right? Or anything like that. I think what really got me spun up because the the specific issue was that the administration was imposing the whole bathroom thing onto the school schools, systems. yeah. And um, and I I really just don't think that that's the place, especially on such a touchy subject, right? That I think needs to be handled in a local way, and it's already being handled in a local exactly. way. Exactly. I mean, I specifically know of a transgender ten year old. Okay, a little boy mm-hmm. who is going to the girls' bathroom because when the local school systems here deemed it okay. Right. And what's happening is all the little girls are freaking out and refusing to go to the bathroom with him. Right. And which is the type of thing that we can expect. So anyway, it was those things running through my head whenever the whenever the article came up and so, you know. I got a little spun up. Our our listener had uh, similar experiences on the flip side of that. Right. Talking about a young a young uh, guy who had been bullied yeah. because he's in the guys' locker room right. in middle school and being abused yeah. at a Christian academy. Which is sad. Which which goes back to this is not about um 
hurting people. It's not about being mean to people. We have to have grace to people. But at the same time, there has to be uh, some common sense and logic on, okay, so do we negatively impact this large group of people in order? Well, for me, the whole answer here is love. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's that's simplicity, the the answer. How do we best love? So obviously, if you're a Christian boy who's uh, bullying or picking on another boy, you're not doing what Christ wants you to do. That that wasn't handled in love. Right. On the flip side of that, what is the best way to love these these people? And uh, do we just is love accepting this as a normal thing, or love accepting this as a um, uh, not a, uh, a, a mental problem, right? Or is love actually understanding what this truly is, which it's been diagnosed as a mental problem? Mm-hmm. So you don't the the best way you put it. I think a great example was um, a kid who who has the mental problem of eating rocks, right? Yeah, pika. Pika. You you don't start adding rocks to the menu. Right, right. You address the actual issue. Exactly. And, and deal with that. But if of- it's not done out of love, then it's pointless whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So we as Christians, we don't need to come down in condemnation. We don't need to come down in judgment and... Uh, backbiting and bickering, bickering with transgender people. Right. We need to love them. And this is one thing that that there are so many um, there are so many different opinions in the Christian community sure. about this. And, and we're going to have people upset with us because we're being too light on the issue. Right. And we're going to have other people that are upset because we're being too harsh on the issue. Right. And uh, you know, the, the thing is, you have to put it in God's hand hands. And uh, and and deal with both the the uh, moral principle of the, mm-hmm. the, of the of the matter, but at the same time, having grace and love right. toward all all people, and understanding that every time you point out somebody's sin, you're going to have to deal with your own as well. That's right. And we and we all struggle with something. Amen. So, That's right. Just but anyway, just wanted to to clarify that and say sure. once again. <laughs> If we said something insensitive, it, it something rash, something harsh, um, we're, we're sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, that's not our. It's point. probably it's not the last goal. time it will happen. That's right. <laughs> because we're we're both uh, eggheads sometimes, sure. and we don't think about what we're saying. So, and we covet those responses. So please, you know, feel feel welcome guys, to do that. Sometimes you're bad. Don't be jerks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I love preacher. That. So. <laughs> That's great. You guys are making me look bad in front of God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, oh, before we close out, just wanted to let everybody know that for the next couple of weeks, anyway, for sure, uh, we're going to be on a, on a, a small little hiatus. Yep. I'm going to be in Haiti. Jeremiah is going to be dealing with a uh, newborn and staying up all night and taking care of crying Woo-hoo. children. So party time, child. Unless the other children start crying too, sure. that are in your house, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> all right, so so we'll we'll try and catch up whenever we get uh, everything back under control. Right, <laughs> we're not going anywhere. This is not uh, it's not us ditching you or anything. So. Exactly. But the Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonautspodcast.com. Yes, the Theonautimus site. It is... It's not getting used very much at all. It's like dead almost. And yet, right. So uh, we really need to know, guys. Give us some feedback. I mean, do you want us to keep doing to, that? To or keep doing this, what do you uh, think? or or not? But we really, we really think it's a good tool. Exactly. And we've seen some some people um, benefit from it. So right. 
There are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us as it helps our show reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here. Thank you, David. All right, stay clean. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At gctnetwork.com. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. He said, stop it!